In our third week of the season of Lent, we've been on quite a, a roller coaster in our readings. The first week, uh, we're reading from Mark. It's the story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. But in Mark's story, it talks about that, that the Holy Spirit drove Jesus out into the wilderness. It's almost like he pushed him out there. And then it said that Jesus was among the wild beasts and that angels cared for him. And then last week, we had this back and forth between Peter and Jesus. Peter first says that Jesus is the Messiah. And then Jesus says, well, what's going to happen to him? And then Peter took him aside and rebuked him. And then Jesus doubled down on the rebuking by rebuking Peter back and said, get behind me, Satan. Because you have your minds on the things of, of human thoughts instead of on divine things. It's been an up and down season. And this morning's text isn't any different, especially if you hear the Scott Rollins translation of some of this, and actually just the first part of the reading that Jolene read, and it goes like this. For the message about the cross is moronic. The message of the cross is moronic. Naturally, the text says that the message of the cross is foolishness, but that word foolishness, the Greek word is the word moriah, where we get the word moron. This word foolishness, moronic, is, is an interplay in this reading. You may have picked up on it, uh, going back and forth between what is foolish and what is wise and foolishness and wisdom and so forth and so forth. And, a, and in essence, it's a discussion about the meaning of the cross. And quite frankly, the message, the meaning of the cross is a moronic one. I'd like to focus on two of the verses that we read this morning. Verse 22 and 23, For Jews demand signs, and the Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, foolishness to Gentiles. The message of Christ is a stumbling block to the Jews, Paul says. Now that Greek word for stumbling block is the word scandal. The cross is a scandal. Now, we talked about this a bit last week when Peter calls out Jesus, rebukes Jesus for, for saying what was going to happen to him, that he would be um, uh, turned in by the religious leaders. He would be tried and he would be put to death. And Jesus, rebu I mean, Peter rebuked Jesus, and of course he did because that's not what is going to happen to the Messiah. The Messiah is to be a charismatic religious, devout leader, a military leader even, who will restore Israel to the Jewish people. These are the signs that the Jews were looking for. Well, Jesus never accomplished those signs. He could not be the Messiah. What a scandal to even say that He is. And then as for the Greeks, in other words, those who weren't Jews, they looked for wisdom. But the message of the cross is foolishness instead. 
Such wisdom aspires to improve oneself through one's learning, to, to reinforce the established order that those who are wise are more special and more important. Always making sure the firm boundaries of who is higher and who is lower, who is honorable, who is not, who is above and who is below. For, for, so for someone to be killed on a cross, a cross which is a very public and political symbol of shame and dishonor, cross reserved only for the very worst of criminals, in other words, those criminals who would dare be a threat to the Romans, to die that way was foolishness. Only a moronic person would do such a thing. And even though the cross is called a scandal and foolishness, it's still the most prominent symbol of our faith. Now, of course, what makes the cross so important to our faith isn't the cross alone, but it's the event of Easter that happened three days after the cross. Easter turns the cross from a symbol of shame and dishonor into a symbol of victory and glory. And so that's where we put our focus when we consider the cross. Not that it was a scandal, not that it was foolishness, but that it's a symbol of the defeat of sin and death. And while it's important to celebrate that the cross defeated death, I think it's important too that we remember just why the cross was and is a scandal and foolish. The cross was a scandal. The cross is foolish. Because this is not at all how the Messiah is supposed to live life. The Messiah, the leader. Well, leaders, they don't lead by doing the things that Jesus did. Leaders don't associate with people on the bottom, much less lift them up as people who matter. Leaders don't say and do the things that Jesus did to those on top because Jesus did and said the things that upset those on top, the power structures, and then those powers turned against him. No, real leaders make sure that the right and important people always stay happy and always support them. That's how real leaders get things done. That's how leaders are effective change makers. And boy, the church, we sure love to live that way, don't we? Using Jesus as that model of success, the church focuses on making sure that the right people are happy, that everything runs smoothly, always with an eye on money and numbers. And as for the people on the bottom, well, those that we like to call the, the less fortunate, well, we want to help those poor people so we want to give them some money to help their cause. But we certainly don't want to dirty our hands any more than that because, well, we're successes. We're not failures. And as for those who aren't like us, well, we want to make sure as the church that they aren't like us. So we make sure to let them know that they're going to hell. Or we want to scream that people that aren't like us are taking away our rights. Or we just ignore them. And of course, it's okay to do that. 
Because we know that Jesus is on our side, and Jesus was the winner, all because of Easter. Let me give you an example before I move on. There's a friend of mine here in town. I've met her over different things that we've been involved in together. And she told me about herself a few weeks ago when we were texting. She grew up in southern Kentucky somewhere, and her parents are atheists. And she has grown up as an atheist. And she told me that all through her growing up in school, everybody let her know how she is going to go to hell. That's all she heard from Christians growing up. And so she has a strong antipathy toward most all Christians. It took her four years to tell me her story. She's bad. She's not of the winners. And yet, in the paper this weekend, she is quoted often in an article about immigrants and about their importance in our society. An atheist lifting up those who are cast aside, whereas most of the Christians want to firm up borders and keep people away and out. But it's okay because Jesus is on our side. We're the winners. Now, of course, if Jesus was really a winner and a success in this life, as we often describe him, he never would have gotten into the mess that he got himself into. Because see, he did everything that winners aren't supposed to do. He proclaimed a kind of love and then lived out that love that no one in their right minds should ever want to live out. And it got him killed. And yet, of course, we want to jump past all of that part and we want to focus on the victory of Easter. So we put our focus not on the life of Jesus, but on his death. And that really his life really does not apply all that much to us because we want to focus on the death and resurrection. We even say that the purpose of Jesus' life was to die for me on a cross. So in effect, we separate almost all of Jesus' life from our own life because all we want to focus on is that Jesus saved me so I can go to heaven. What am I trying to say? Well, I think it's past time that we, the church, return to living out the foolishness of the cross by following in the way of Jesus, which leads to the cross this week I pulled from my files an article from a, from a journal that I got a long time ago, and it's very yellowed, and you can tell it's very old. But it's a great article that I hadn't read in forever. It was written by a lady named Kristen Bargeron. It's called The Foolishness of the Gospel. And in it she talks about the text that I read today, that we had read today, and then some other texts related to it. Well, in that article, she's talking about a group meeting that she was in. And in that group meeting, they were talking to a lady named Suzanne. Suzanne was a fourth-year medical student at the time. But before that, she had spent some time living in a, in a group home called the Larch 
L apostrophe A R H C A R C H E. I can't. It's French. Larch, the Daybreak Community. Now, this is a community that's intentionally created to bring together people with intellectual disabilities with people who do not have intellectual disabilities. And rather than this be a place like it's generally understood is that the fully functioning folks are going to help out these poor disabled people, Larch, the Daybreak community, seeks to affirm and to lift up the very equal validity of everyone, those with disabilities and those with not disabilities, and all of them are fully important in the life of the community. In other words, there aren't some who are better than any others. Everybody's just different. There's no less fortunate. Well, in this group discussion, Suzanne was asked this question after she shared about being in the, in the day, daybreak community. The question was this, Suzanne, could you tell us who is your Jesus? And I'd like to read her response and then what the author said after that. Suzanne, it says that Suzanne thought for a minute and then she said, My Jesus is the Jesus of the Beatitudes. The one who said, Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the hungry. Blessed are those who mourn. And I look at that list and I know that that's not me and it scares me. And then the author's writing now, this Ms. Bargeron. And I felt like someone had let all the air out of my lungs because it scares me too. And I'd be willing to bet that it scares a lot of you too. I mean, it's kind of startling to live a good portion of your life under the illusion that you're doing everything right. You're grooming yourself to have a good, successful life only to find out that God isn't looking for successes. God, apparently, would rather hang out with the hungry and the suffering and the weak. Who are the hungry and the suffering and the weak in our world, in our community? Who are those who have a, no voice and nobody cares that they have no voice? Who are the people that we kind of say really don't matter, those who are the less fortunate who are the ones that our churched, over-churched society wants to call the sinners? If you're like me, they, they aren't the people that I spend my time with because, well, you know, I'm too busy or I need to be spending my time with other folks, those who matter. If I'm honest with myself, I really just don't care about them because they're not winners. And, well, don't we all want to be with winners and all the while we forget the way that Jesus went living the life that Jesus lived of course none of that really matters at all if all we care about is that Jesus died on the cross for me that's the only thing that really matters as long as I have that personal relationship with Jesus that's all I need because now I can take my life my place among all the winners. And as for the cross, it's a symbol of victory. So I don't have to think about the notion that it's a symbol of scandal and foolishness. 
And so the more we, the church, focus on living life this way as the winners, among a bunch of other folks who are anything but winners, the more we disconnect ourselves from the way of Jesus, which is the way of the cross. And again, I want to read from this article. So what does all this mean for our lives? Well, it means that if we really want to know what it means to live by the cross, we had better drop whatever it is that keeps our lives walled off from the poor, whether it's money or comfort or family ties or race or education. We have to shake off whatever it is that creates the distance between, those, between us and those who are weak and despised in the world. Because whatever those things are that we cling to for security, whatever credentials we hold up to the world is a sign that we're one of the successful ones and not one of the failures, that we're one of the strong and not one of the weak. Whatever it is that separates us from the poor is the same thing that keeps us from the cross. And guess what? What would we call someone? who chooses to focus their life on hanging out with those on the bottom, with lifting up those who are down, eating meals with those who are sinners, being with those who really, we don't really want to give them the time of day. You know what we would call such a person? We would call them a fool. In other words, a follower of Jesus. And thanks be to God for God's grace and God's love. Amen.